0: Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louie Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged.
1: Four minutes. Four. four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes. Four
2: minutes.
0: Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in South Philly. Diamondbacks a loser 5-3. They're down one game to nothing in the best of seven NLCFs. Zach Allen, bad. Five innings pitched, five earned runs. Arizona down two to nothing in only five pitches. Manager Tori Lavello.
1: They they came out um, ready to jump on his fastball. There's no mystery that Zach fills up the zone. He's got, he's got aggressive fastball and aggressive mindset. And they just they just counterpunched him.
0: They did fight back in the end, but it wasn't enough. Perdomo hit a two-run homer. Alec Thomas also had a sack fly, but it was already five-nothing. Diamondbacks go down in defeat. Now they take on Philadelphia. Game two today. Merrill Kelly 12-8 versus Aranola 12-9. First pitch in South Philly at
3: 5-07.
0: And the other element of the Final Four is the ALCS. Texas took a commanding 2-0 lead by winning both road games in Houston. They win game two, 5-4. Off day in the American League today. Game three tomorrow, 5-07. Coyotes, a winner in New Jersey to start the season, now a loser for game two. They lose two to one in New York to the Rangers. Here's the catch. Clayton Keller hit a, got a goal in the second period to tie it up one to one. Then at the end of the second, Coyotes had a full two minute, five on three with the Rangers getting hit with an unsportsmanlike and a slashing. What did they do on that five on three? Absolutely nothing. Coach Andre Turini.
1: It's always a problem when you're early in the season. You know, you you're not in tune yet. There, there's a lot of new piece, new fire,
0: and new, new things, and uh, it will be better for sure. That's him talking about the five-on-three. Game three is already tonight. First back-to-back of the season. They're in New York to take on the Islanders. Face-off tonight at 4:30. Suns were home. It was their last preseason game at home of the season. They beat Portland 117-107. However, Portland didn't play a couple of their starters. Frank Vogel, however, I love the harsh comments when asked about some of the fouls that were picked up by the bench on whether or not there's such a thing as a good foul.
2: Fouls are mistakes to me. Don't be aggressive without fouls.
0: Okay, kind of a word on life. Be aggressive without fouling. All right. Now, Suns-Lakers is the final preseason game of the year, but it's in Palm Springs. Thursday night, 7 o'clock. The season starts a week from tonight. All right, after back-to-back four performances from quarterback Joshua Dobbs, when asked what does he need to see improvement on from his quarterback, Jonathan Gannon went with everybody. I think it's all of us just making a couple more plays here or there, the consistency of that. No. okay. Well, if you're going to be short sure, with well, us, can we have a Buda Baker update? Are you going to open up the window for him to come off the pup list? Is there a chance you'll open Buda's window this week? Uh, possibly. Oh. Yeah. No. Well, that's it. I said pup list. I should have said IR. I was a little wrong on that. Sunday, they take on Seattle. In Seattle at 1 o'clock, Dallas, a field goal winner over the Chargers. And finally... Oh, now this is kind of a a mess to look at. Try to explain this. A mother of four in England decided that she was so upset that there was another car parked so closely to hers that she took her keys out and keyed the car. Now, you might say, well, you've heard of a story like that before. Yeah, here's the catch. She had four kids in the car. Hers. (laughs) Everybody witnessed the whole thing, and they had to arrest her in front of her four children. Nice job, lady. Jackpot, Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off. Plus 15% off at Civic, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls a shirt and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you wanna save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. If you go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen for the food, you're going to be shocked what a great bar it is. And if you go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen because you want to experience a great country bar, you're going to be shocked at how great the food is. And if you want something different to do this weekend, on Sunday, head out to Bell's Nashville Kitchen, Main Street, Old Town Scottsdale, and they got the car show in which they actually Shut down the street a little bit. Cars that are pre-1990, plus they've got pastries and they've got coffee. And you can walk in later for the honky-tonk brunch and have a great meal at Bell's National Kitchen. You found home. Down home. All right. Let's stay positive. Am I concerned? Absolutely I'm concerned. That's our ace, and he made a stupid mistake, and that bothers me. Our offense went back to the crapper, that worries me, and clearly the crowd got in our head. So yeah, I'm worried too, but that was yesterday. We went into Philly with one goal, just win one, let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz. You have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and television live every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, UFA, GC, and the rounds Rising in the Merc I Missed. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. How are you? Hopefully uh, everything went well for you in life other than the game. I'm still... Okay, okay. Uh, yes! I just, even though the mic's in the way, there you go. If you're listening to the podcast, I guessed correctly. I totally thought backwards. Because I'm looking at the screen and said logo on right shoulder. This is right shoulder. And then I realized, wait, it's always opposite and went like that. But on the screen, it just looks like my right. But then I got to flip, you see. It's not just, it's still not natural just to say It's there. It's natural to say it looks like it's over here, so therefore do the opposite and then get it right. But sometimes I even miss the hat logo, which I don't quite understand when well, that's just dead metal. <laughs> someday i'll uh, I'll get this uh, figured out, and eventually I want to grow the thing where I'm up you know and, and kind of running around a little bit as I uh, learn to embrace television a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, do me a favor if you're interested i. I I don't want to spend a ton of time explaining, but we are in the WTSM-TV week of winners, and we're changing our pricing structure. Basically, to be point blank, as we grow, it's time to hire more people. Like, like, Tuesdays are unbelievable. I'm so proud of who we are uh, as a company, especially on Tuesdays. Six hours of our regular, everyday local programming, 6A to noon, so you've got me until 8 o'clock, the main event with Dale Hellestray or Steve McCullum and Dale Hellestray coming up at 8 to 10. And then Izzy on Sports with Isaiah Jackson Jr. coming up from 10 to noon. But then we also have Hanging with Coop and the Organic Football Podcast. Uh, or I should say Organic Football Show, but it is a podcast as well. We get, so you get your hardcore fantasy, you get a legendary media voice in the Valley on Tuesdays, and you still get... Six hours of local morning sports programming. Nobody is doing what we're doing, and we need you to be a part of it. And to be quite blunt, we need more money. And there it is. Just throw it at you. So we're changing the pricing structures. So those of you that get the podcast for free at Doug Franz Unplugged or you're on audio, that doesn't change. You still get the audio version of the podcast. But as a member of the Unplugged Army, I would like you to look at your finances and see, can you move up? Those of you that watch the podcast for free on demand, you're going to need to move up a little bit in an upgrade, and there's going to be a small charge for you to continue to watch the replay. And then those of you that are now uh, members that watch it live, your price will go up a little bit more if you want to keep watching it live. However, before you freak out, through special negotiations, I have a secret code If you email me, I'll give it to you, Doug at DougFranceUnplugged.com. Later on in the week, I'll give it to you just on the podcast, but I forget it. That's why I'm not giving it to you now. (laughs) Rip me all you want. I don't remember what it is. But the special code is a thank you. It's a thank you code to say if you don't want to pay for the upgrade, here you go, and it lasts for another year. So you've earned that. As we grow, we need to say thank you for what you've done to get us here. So, therefore, those of you that have been hardcore members of the Unplugged Army from the beginning, I'll give you a special code that helps keep you where you're at, but you get some benefits. There's more information to it, but I want to email it to you because I forget all of it. There you go. But just remember, prices are going up, but there's a special code to avoid the price. Hopefully, I explained that uh, well. I've studied the thing like five times, and I... I keep not understanding. I can't explain it that good. Yeah. Did you? Okay, good. (laughs) Jeff Weir Production, you made me feel really good. You made me feel really good. Because for the first time since I got fired, I felt like as I was talking, I'm going to get called into the boss's office. (laughs) Like, I haven't felt like that in so long, and I just kept feeling like, I'm going down a hole. How do I get out of this? What's going on? What's going on? Um, I'm trying to be positive today. I am frustrated. I am, no doubt. But I, I'm just so blessed in life. I have the most incredible daughter. The oldest is just the most wonderful person in the world. And uh, she texted yesterday, no, Sunday, and said, Daddy, can I come over and watch the Diamondbacks with you and, and learn the game? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely, honey. Please do. And, uh, and then uh, I didn't know this free plug for somebody that doesn't advertise, but I hope to get them to advertise, even though they're national. It's hard to get national companies to advertise. Um, but, hey, when somebody does well, I'm going to give them a free plug. I got a Papa Murphy pan pizza yesterday. It was good. Like, I don't really like the Papa Murphy original crust. I think it's kind of boring. But the pan pizza it was pretty well done. And uh, so I, uh, I called in to order it. I, I, I call me old school. I don't like to put my credit card on, online. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I just don't. So I didn't do that. So I called up, put the order in. My daughter swung by, picked it up. It was like 22 bucks for a, really, for a pizza that we didn't eat the whole thing. I was really happy with that. And then uh, she bought dinner for like 20 minutes, and then I gave her a 20. So she spent $2 on dinner. And we sat upstairs, ate pizza, watched the game together. And was, oh, and she's making all of these noises with every Phillies home run. And then eventually she just said, when the game's over, well, that's okay. We have another chance tomorrow. And she was just okay with it. Like, all right. And she's always like that. And I'm, I'm trying to have that attitude today. I am. It's okay. There's always tomorrow. Well, we have today now. And what was the goal? The goal is always to me, split the first two games, get that road win, which we still have a chance to do, and I think the whole thing's about game three anyway. Somehow coming away with a win when Brandon fought's on the mound. And if we can do that, we're up two games to one with a pivotal game four. But we're okay. Because then we've got two wins in the bag, and we've still got another spot in the rotation of Gallen and another spot in the rotation of Merrill Kelly. So i'm telling you everything's okay do i believe it <laughs> yes i do 40 percent of my heart and soul is into that statement yes i'm a little worried now if you want to know why i'm a little worried yeah i'll tell you in a second sound credits today boy we, we got a lot of stuff to uh to get through today um we got the Coyotes PR department. Thank you, Coyotes. Sons PR department. azcardinals.com. Um, uh, MLB.tv. The Dustin, uh, or the, excuse me, the Trevor May Twitter channel. Not Twitter, uh, Twitch channel. And I think that's it. I think you got it. I, I think, like, I keep thinking there's got to be one more, and I don't think there is. All right. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Zach Allen, you are one of the smartest people in the game. What are you doing? What? A first pitch fastball middle up to a guy that sits dead red and always swings first pitch fastball? What, what was that plan? Who came up with that idea? That's old Jack Schwaber does. He walks up there with a big sign that says, I'm swinging at a first-pitch fastball. Well, was, this, was this to see who had the biggest onions? My cup is bigger than yours. What are we doing? How did nobody in the entire organization step up and say, by the way, this, this plan for a first-pitch fastball to Jack Schwartz, Does anybody? Let's. I. I'd like to rethink that. Can can we? Can we? Can we write a memo on this? Can we? Can we bring in other consultants? That. It it, it makes me worried about the apocalypse. Whenever we, whenever really, really smart people, do anything that stupid. It. Oh, my gosh. I feel, and in no way am I trying to get personal. It would be the last day in hell before I ever rip Zach Allen's intelligence as a human being. The guy is so much smarter than me. Where does that put me? He knows so much more about baseball than I do. Where would that put me if I'm going to rip him personally? But for a moment in time, it's, it is mind-numbing that that pitch happened. Absolutely mind-numbing. Now, there's an argument that says, well, you know what? He's a great pitcher that missed with location. Maybe that ball was supposed to be six inches higher, and you're assuming with the lofted swing of the last 10 years that's trying to get lift, that therefore, with that big uppercut, he's not going to be able to get up in time, and he just missed on location. I I pray that's what it was. But it's still – it's still – Playing with a level of fire that just doesn't make sense. With a knuckle curve that's that good, I don't understand why we didn't start. So, what if you're down 1 0? I don't care. I just. We're not starting Jack Schwarber with fastballs middle up. Please. No more the rest of the series. I don't care if we just say, you know what? Hey, Blue. It's 1-0. Oh. Take a pitch clock violation. I don't even care if we say that's no longer counts as the first pitch. Spike it. Throw the first pitch to the backstop. Plunk the mascot. I don't care what you do on the first pitch. Do not throw dead red middle up to Schwarber. That was just clueless baseball. And I, oh, I hate that. Thank you. That was Doug's big one. Uh, Do you know who Super Joe is? Uh, Joe is the guy that's in charge of... By the way, if you don't know, this has always been a temporary setup for Doug Franz Unplugged and all of us here at WTSMTV.com. Our studios are at the 17 in Peoria, and we're moving to uh, uh, another part of the building. And uh, they're building this area out, and Joe is the superintendent in charge of construction of this building. And so I met him day two or three of uh, of, of starting Doug Franz Unplugged sometime around uh, this February, this last February. And in talking to him, it was funny. He he said, boy, you look familiar. And I never said, I am Doug from Doug and Wolf. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to be weird. And then one day he came to me and said, man, I could hear you sometimes. Yeah, just what what goes on in there? You got these bright lights and I hear you yelling through the window. <laughs> and I said, oh, I, I go on a rant every now and then because people don't understand. Like I get frustrated on the golf course, too. I don't start yelling at everybody. Um, I'll, I'll make this noise, though. I'll go. Yep. And if you ever wondered what that noise means, it just simply means, OK. You are clearly so clueless you don't realize you're stopping the rotation of the earth. And since the earth does not rotate around you, either get out of the way and let other people play through or stop playing altogether. Just something. Because we can't we can't have you out there this long. Do not take that as if it's haughty that bad golfers cannot golf where I golf because I'm a bad golfer. It's the bad golfer that thinks they're good and is going to take an hour before every shot or who doesn't understand there are ways that we play quickly, especially in the heat. That's how we all get away with playing. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's turn this up here. So, yep, means, come on, let's pick it up. Or it just simply means let's go. Well, I'm so frustrated with that first pitch, I still don't know where I'm going. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it drives me crazy. Anyway, so Super Joe uh, figured it out one time. And he goes, hey, did you used to do do a radio show? And then I finally told him. He goes, yeah, yeah. So he says, I'm Joe. I'm I'm the super. And I just thought that was funny. I'm Joe. I'm the super. So I started calling him Super Joe. Well, Super Joe was talking about me yelling again. He goes, I can't wait to get your studio done up there so we can hear you yelling from the second floor. Well, today's rant was brought to you by Super Joe here on Doug's Big One. Hey, Let's get to the game. Keep in mind, if you really want to know, I think my favorite player might be Zach Gallon because of his intelligence. And now I, I think everybody's favorite player is Corbin Carroll. I mean, that, that kid's just such a stud. I, he's a little boring in pressers, but he's such a stud as a player. But it's just so disconcerting for people that have such an incredibly high baseball IQ to either do something that dumb or fail that miserably in, in your mechanics and your location. Both of those... It just – I'll just say it. It worries me about the rest of the series. It does. I want to be positive today because all we have to do is win game two and everything's fine. That's it. All we have to do, win game two, everything's fine. I just don't get that decision-making. Just. oh, All right, let's get to what we call sound in the business. Uh, A little frustrating with baseball here – Granted, they're giving us something free, so I don't want to lose my mind. They're finally recording and giving the media press conferences. So we have Tori Lovello. However, they didn't call Zach Allen to the stand, so we have to have our own cameraman there. And for some reason, Jeff Weir Production is such a lazy person, he refuses to fly to Philly, interview Zach in the clubhouse, take a red eye back here, bring it, cut it up, and get ready for today's show. I, I mean, step up.
4: Jeff. I do apologize.
0: Thank you. The show, I mean, think about it. The game ended at probably around 630 or no, about 830 our time. You could have been on the red eye. I bet there's a red eye that leaves Philly sometime around 11. And it's a you're going to pick up three hours in the air. You easily could have been back here. Back to the office by five thirty. I could have had it edited on the flight over. Yes. Well, then you're just boy. That was dumb of you. That yeah. I means you just admitted how poor poor your work ethic was. What's going on? Um, well, well, we'll do better tonight. So, thank you. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully you'll be out there tonight. Uh, anyway, with actual seriousness, we because of that because they did not bring the losing pitcher to the podium. I don't have sound for you from him, but I can tell you, Zach Gallon, always a stand-up guy. I'm sure that he spoke uh, to the media last night. Uh, let's start with Tory. Uh, I just point blank, Tory, that was bad. That's not a Zach Gallon night. What would you see from the dugout.
1: They they came out um, ready to jump on his fastball. There's no mystery that Zach fills up the zone. He's got he's got an aggressive fastball and aggressive mindset. And they just they just counterpunched them. Um, you know, I think I know when Zach gets squared up. It's usually a, uh, you know a couple inch mistake. He's that good at hitting lines when he's trying to throw pitches in certain spots. I think they just ambushed a couple mistakes and never really got into a rhythm. Um, you know, I, I felt like there were points in time. That he was making pitches and was going to start to take a Zach Gowen type of, um, start to look like a Zach Gallon outing, but it, it never really happened. Um, and it was just a big grind for him the whole day.
0: Sometimes you're sitting there doing a presser and words pop into your head because they're baseball vernacular. It just comes out. And it's so easy to say it more like a reflex than putting thought into it. And I hope that's the case with what Tori Lavello was saying right there. He says they just ambushed him on a fastball. Now, let me explain to you what that means first. Almost every leadoff hitter takes the first pitch, takes multiple pitches. The old school way to be a leadoff hitter is there's a guy on deck, the guy in the hole is on the dugout steps, and everybody else in the lineup laser-focused on that leadoff hitters at bat. What did the pitcher throw? How did it move? What are the? What is the umpire calling? A little off the plate, a little low, a little high. Gauge the strike zone. I mean, listen, you're supposed to be paying attention to every at-bat. But even mentally weak players are staring down the leadoff hitters at bat. And everybody knows the leadoff hitter is going to take the first pitch. Therefore, every now and then, it's sneaky to ambush the pitcher. It's sneaky to swing at that first pitch because the pitcher thinks, I'm going to throw this batting practice fastball. It's the first pitch of the game. You're not going to swing. You're supposed to take it. I'm going to get a strike. I'm up 0-1. Your teammates saw the movement of my fastball. Everybody wins. Okay? So then, wow, sneaky ambush when you swing at the first pitch. So you hear manager Tori Lavello say they ambush the fastball. Here's why that bothers me. Because if he actually meant it, Torrey Lavello's being an idiot. There. That's, uh, and I, Tori. you know I love you. I know it's offensive I didn't say you're an idiot. I said you're being an idiot. I do believe there's a difference. I am praying that you just sat there and you didn't really mean he got ambushed. Because Jack Schwarber swings at the first pitch all the time! It's not an ambush if you do it all the time. Okay? If Napoleon invades Russia in the winter every year, guess what Russia should do next winter? Get ready for Napoleon. I mean, you just... Zach Allen did not get ambushed by a guy that swings first pitch dead red every time. That's not an ambush. It's just idiotic that we fed into it. Oh, I know. Let's fool him. Since he always swings first pitch dead red, let's try dead red up and see what I mean, just... That'll show him. Oh, my gosh. I, I really... It's, like I said, it's just... It rocks my world when smart people do dumb things. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, here's a great question. Um, Tori, did you think about a lot of the home runs today were given up on fastballs, forcing fastballs, thrown to dead red fastball hitters? Since they're fastball hitters, did we think of doing something else?
1: Um, yeah, it's part of the game plan. We definitely were not trying to throw the fastballs where they were hit. Those were just mistake, misfired pitches. And, yeah, we're well aware of of the guys that can handle certain pitches in certain spots. So that's what I'm saying. I haven't had a chance to look at them, um, you know. You get some extension and, you're, and you're, you're starting to see somebody drive baseballs like that off of Zach. They're, they're definitely misfired fastballs. I know the one to Harper, we're trying to go in on him. Um, I think that enabled him to get ready for the next at-bat where we threw a cutter in off. So he was he was catching on to the game plan really quick. So um, they, were, they were a couple of misfires for sure. You know, the, the Harper-Homer, you know,
0: I can go on a rant all day. The Harper-Homer, Bryce, if you didn't see the game last night, First pitch, Schwarber goes yard, Uh, get an out to Trey Turner, and then five pitches into the game, you give up a second homer. And Bryce Harper hit a homer on a fastball. He's a dead red hitter. But that one doesn't bother me because it's like he said, what you want to do is you want to get to Bryce Harper, you want to throw a fastball under his hands just to get him a little bit away from the outside corner. You'd love for him to fist it on the ground to third. You'd love for him to hit a little pop-up. But let's let's face it, it's – it's it's one that you've got to use the fastball to set up the out pitches to Bryce Harper I get that that was a pitch that was just poorly executed I'll I'll give you that I, I will totally give you that the Jack Schwar, the, the Schwarber oh my gosh why do I keep saying Jack by the way somebody I just realized I've been saying Jack will you look up it's Kyle Schwarber That's a great rant. I just realized I am so upset. No, who's the idiot? (laughs) I don't even know the guy's name. Will you look who is Jack Schwarber? Like sometimes you get somebody's name in your head. Jeff Weir Production, will you Google Jack Schwarber and tell me what comes up, if anything? I'm not getting anything. I swear that's well, maybe I went to high school with him then. I don't know. That That was one of those dumb moments man am I angry that's how you get so angry I didn't even need to read the scouting report I don't even know his first name but he swings dead red 30 minutes of Jack Schwarber and now I don't know who Jack Schwarber is anyway I get that pitch it's the one to Schwarber that I'm, I'm not gonna get and boom you're now down 2 nothing. with one of them being a mental error one of them being a physical error and, uh, and then they gave up a home run to Castellanos, another dead red hitter. Just a lot, a lot of excuses to me. A lot of home runs hit off the fastball by dead red hitters. Not well done yesterday. Uh, however, if you want to go positive, the Perdomo home run, when you get a home run from a guy that has been ice cold for a month, that does make the rest of the guys stand up and say, hey, you know, we can do something here. Let's go. So, uh, Tori, do you feel like the Perdomo homer can have some game two carryover?
1: Engaged. Um, we were just waiting for that one little push, and Jerry hit that big two-run home run for us, and got us right back in it. So, um, yeah. Look, tomorrow's another day. We got to sleep on it. We got to understand what we did right, what we did wrong, and, and be ready to play another baseball game tomorrow. We will be.
0: Okay. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not a huge believer in that. I'm really not. Maybe if they do well in the first inning today, they'll be able to translate it back to the Perdomo homer. I am a believer that it can do something for Perdomo. I don't believe in, hey, we showed we can score late in the game. Now we all feel better. If if you're so mentally weak that two home runs in the first five pitches of a game bury you, then you're not a good team anyway. And that's one of the things that we have to fight right now. I think it's a very fair question. Are the Diamondbacks a good team or are the Diamondbacks a hot team? And those are two completely different things. Bad teams can get hot. Good teams can obviously have slumps. But are we just a hot team? If we lose today, it doesn't mean we're a bad team. But if we don't play well, if we don't hit, if we get shut down by Aaron Nola, then that means this run is over. That means we were a hot team that ran into a buzzsaw and the Phillies advanced to the World Series. So this is this is kind of one of those games that tests your manhood, it tests your baseball soul, not your actual soul, okay? No one's heaven and hell is not going to be decided by game 2 more than likely. But your baseball soul, what are you made of? What is your baseball character? What is your baseball mental strength? Are you able to compartmentalize a game one loss, learn from it, and then really compete in game two? Or are you soft? That's really what this game comes down to, and hopefully they'll be able to uh, to, to do something about it. Uh, like, like Ketel Marte getting a base hit in the eighth inning. Okay, maybe that gets him going because one for four isn't good enough. A hundred million dollar guy can't be going one for four. You got to do more. The uh, uh, one of the things I really liked, I thought this was a good question. Very well asked by by Jack, um, saying, Tori, as you look back on the game, you have been talking about. You need to make changes quickly to stop momentum. Yet you left Zach Allen in for five innings. As you process that." Why go against your theory of I've got to stop momentum?
1: Yeah, yeah potentially I got to sleep on that one uh, think about it a little bit more, get a clear head. Um, but yeah, I, I mean it was it was two points in the first inning and then a series of one run, um, one runs. Uh, one-run innings. So I don't think there was a huge push of, of that type of momentum that I need, felt like we needed to stop. I just needed Zach to get through five. That was my mindset, and we could balance it out and, and find a way to play catch-up. Um, the fifth run was was a big run. There's no doubt about it. That, that I, f- I feel like, um, was something that was a little bit hard, too hard for us to come back from. But we battled, and we made it a good game. But um, point well taken. I haven't thought about it yet, but I'll take a look at it through the night.
0: There's a lot of things Tory does that really bothers me, and a lot of times I think he's way too soft on players. I've said that before. He actually knows that's my opinion. We've had some good conversations about it. I really don't want to say how much I respect how he handled that answer. To, to actually say, I haven't thought about it and I need to, I'm going to sleep on that, it's a really fair answer to accept there might be some criticism there. Let me first be fair to him and understand why he's saying what he said. He likes to say points. I've never understood that. In baseball, we say you scored a run. And he'll say we had a two-point inning there, you know, and stuff like that. I don't know why he says that. But, okay, two home runs given up by Zach Allen, but he gets out of it. Then second batter of the second inning, bam, another solo home run. I wish right then and there. He would have said to himself, this is not Zach Gallen. No more room. I I think that's fair. And I think you go up to him and say, hey, you remember what you told me after the Brewers' first inning? It stops here. Okay? I kept you in. We have that trust. I want you to know now I'm not giving you any more room. Somebody gets on, I might be taking you out. Okay? So pour it on. Don't try to hold back and give me five, six, seven innings right now. I want you to go in with the mentality of being aggressive. Go get outs. Go get outs. We'll piece it together from here. We're going to believe in Merrill Kelly tomorrow. We're going to have Merrill Kelly. He's going to give us a good outing. He's going to go six or seven. And then we're going to have the off day on Wednesday. The bullpen will be rested for Thursday. And if we have to use heavy bullpen day today, That's just how it is. I need you to focus in on one thing and one thing only. The next pitch. That's it. Every time. Focus in on the next pitch. Get as many outs as you can get in a row. That's it. That's what To me, that's leadership. That's managing right there. Of looking at your ace, realizing he doesn't have it, and saying, I've trusted you before and let you prove it, and you did. Today's my day. That's leadership. And I, I don't think Tory showed leadership by saying was sticking with Zach Allen as long as he did. So here is what I would have done, okay? In second batter, third inning, Trey Turner gets a double and boom, there's an RBI single. As soon as the double happens, I've got somebody up, RBI single, then a hit batsman. Boom, We're done here. We're done. I would have pulled Zach Allen right there. Keep in mind as I'm looking at you, all right? I'm a talk show host criticizing a man who knows more about baseball than I do, and I'm also telling you it doesn't mean I would have been proven right. Maybe the bullpen comes in and gets shelled, and this game ends up 9-3. I don't know the answer to that. I just know I'm getting Zach out of there because he doesn't have it, and – then to me, hit batsman, walk, and then you get a clutch double play in which Ketel Marte just choked on a terrible throw and it got dug out by a Christian Walker on a fantastic play. But if he doesn't dig that out, it's going to get even worse. And then you got, to me, Tori Lovello got saved by the Christian Walker dig because if he doesn't dig that out, Alec Boehm, I think, in my opinion, would have scored. He's rounding third anyway on the double play ball. So as he rounds third, that ball gets by Christian Walker. It's no double play. The inning's extended, and another run is scored. And then everybody would have been like, oh, my gosh, Torrey Lovello! It's shocking this happened, and now Torrey gets somebody up in the bullpen. After that, you can't rely on a just tremendously brilliant play by an infielder, bailing out a weak infi- another weak infielder, and another weak effort from Catal-Marte, and let and let Tori Lavello off the hook. I think that inning got away from him, and he got saved by Christian Walker. Thought that was bad managing. Then you look at the fourth inning. Granted, no runs scored. But you needed an out at the plate from, again, Christian Walker on a fantastic throw in which you have an out, a single, a double, and then a hard hit ball to first base that was 100 miles an hour off the bat. And he makes a great play to cut down a run at the plate. See, that, that's another time where Christian Walker is bailing out you for leaving the pitcher in who gave up single double after already giving up a lot of runs. And then in the fifth inning, we'll lead off walk and then back-to-back line I mean, hard-hit line drives, and then an RBI single. Zach Gallen never had it in this game. So there's a fair argument to be made that everything I just told you was wrong. Let's face it. There's a fair argument that can be made because Zach Gallen did at least get you through five. But I don't think your ace giving up five earned runs in five innings when the manager left him out there that long— is a positive. I think that was a mistake. All right, another mistake I think Torrey Lovello made in this game. If you didn't see what happened, Torrey Lovello had a tough decision in which he decided that he's going to have Longo come out and Pavin Smith come in, and then as soon as a pitching change is made, they take Pavin Smith out and they go to Emmanuel Rivera. Why did you make all of that movement? What was your thinking, Torrey?
1: Yeah um there's there's two school, two schools of thought um you know you got a you've got a pitcher that's 18 to 25 pitches into his outing and and you can continue that having that guy pitch and Sir Anthony, um, Dominguez, but I just felt like there was there was other favorable matchups. I was going to go to Pave and force him to go to Alvarado. I felt like they were going to push Alvarado into the next inning. Maybe maybe he would he would lose a little bit of momentum after getting out of the big jam and have a little bit of a natural letdown. But he didn't. He went out there and executed. So I, I just was playing playing some different thoughts. Um, it didn't work out. I'd love to see what happened the other uh, with the other, other choice, but we'll never know. It's the beauty of the game.
0: It's not a high-leverage situation. you got one runner on first. You've already got two outs after the sack fly. So not a high-leverage situation. But the reason why I think he made a big mistake here is, did you hear him talk about, I was looking at Alvarado later in, in, in future innings? Okay. Here's what he means by that. He's got Longoria up against Dominguez. That's a matchup that technically is is something where you're going to look at that and say, you know what, I I would rather go with Longoria. I would rather go with the veteran right there. When he mentioned that they're going to go to uh, Alvarado, Alvarado's a lefty. Longoria is a righty. I believe the way the Phillies care about analytics, too. But I think the Phillies are one that to get a veteran out, I think they were going to bring in Alvarado anyway. I think Torrey got outmanaged right there because if I'm looking at it, I would rather have, yes, it's right on right, but I would rather have the matchup be Dominguez versus Longoria instead of playing this game because I think Alvarado was going to come in anyway. And if Alvarado comes in anyway and I'm right, I've got Alvarado versus Longoria. No matter what, I would rather have Longoria up there if I've got to go right on right than have Rivera as right on left because I I, I don't want a young player and Emmanuel Rivera in that situation. I believe Alvarado's coming in anyway. I think he got outmanaged right there. I don't know if I'm right. Maybe Longoria pops up. Nothing happens. But I I think that was a couple moments in this game where I think Tori Lovello got outmanaged or One moment where he got outmanaged, one moment where he really failed in his decision-making, and it could have been much more costly than it was. Hopefully, everybody steps up, plays better today. 5 1st pitch, and of course, we'll have a lot to talk about uh, coming up tomorrow morning about this and hopefully be talking about the Diamondbacks being able to uh, get this uh, game evened out at a game apiece before game three at Chase Field. All right, coming up next. An announcement from a baseball player that is hysterical that you've got to hear. And U of A, ASU fans, we got a lot to talk about with your two coaches as well. I think Jed Fish is messing up. Maybe. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer. Here in Arizona, who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker and Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Call 602 to repair that 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you I, as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time. And they've gotten it right the first time, every time. And they've treated me fairly every time. What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights, weekends, emergencies. That means something because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast, and you can trust Parker and Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 6022 Repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. My name's Doug Franz. I'm putting my name in to be Speaker of the House of the United States.
4: WTSM-TV does not approve this
0: message. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> uh, I can do both, I think. Do this from six to eight? I have to do it live from my chambers. That's one reason to be a judge, just to say I have chambers. That's just kind of different. Uh, I, we, we live in a country that doesn't have a Speaker of the House for like two weeks. relevant of your politics. What is going on? It's just so dumb. Uh, okay. I, I want to play this for you. It's a little long. and Jeff Weir Production, I might cut it off halfway through. But this is Dustin May. He is uh, a pitcher. Spent a lot of time with the A's. And I don't know if he's looking to run for mayor in Oakland or if he wants points in Oakland, but boy, this is the way to get it. This guy will never have to buy dinner in Oakland again. He announced his retirement from the game. That didn't take very long. And then he went scorched earth. Now that it's official, to
3: the A's organization and every single person part of it, I love all of you. Every single one of you except for one guy, we all know who that guy is. Sell the team, dude. I tried to get a sell shirt; it didn't get here fast enough. Just sell it, man. Let someone who actually like takes pride in the things they own own something. There's actually people who give a shit about the game. Let them do it. Take mommy and daddy's money somewhere else, dork. And also, if you're going to be, if you're going to just be a greedy, greedy own it. There's nothing weaker than being afraid of cameras. So that's one thing I really struggled with this year was not just eviscerating that guy. Do what you're going to do, bro. You're you're whatever. You're a billionaire. They exist. You guys have all this power. You shouldn't have any because you haven't earned any of it. But anyway, whatever. It is what it is. Reality is you got you got handed everything you have. And now you're too soft to sit and stand in front or, or take any responsibility for anything you're doing. Yeah, whatever. Oakland is Oakland. Uh, you can make all the cases. Oh, it's not a great city. But you're putting you're putting hundreds, if not thousands of people out of work that have worked somewhere for decades. And you haven't acknowledged that at all. So. Just. Be better. That's all we're asking. Just be a human being.
0: There you go. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Um, number one, I don't know enough about John Fisher to know whether he just okay. He's he's the son of the of the family that started the Gap, and he went he went rogue with one business venture on his own and, and was terrible at it. So possibly he is an idiot that just got lucky with mommy and daddy's money. I don't know. At the same time, I know a lot of people that get very jealous of the children of wealthy people. And they don't realize. Like like Matt Ishbia, for an example. Matt Ishbia took dad's business and grew it exponentially. Had much more vision. Much more aggression. Much more talent. And his dad was highly intelligent and talented, too. So... Is that just daddy's money? No, it's not. He, Matt Ishby is a great businessman who, yes, he started off at a position a little better than us, but he exploded it. So sitting around being jealous is dumb. He is a, Matt Ishby is a great businessman. So you look at Fisher, all I know is he did one thing on his own and it was terrible. Maybe he did a lot of other things with mommy and daddy that were great and fantastic and deserves credit. I don't know. But I do know he's a terrible baseball owner. And it is cool to have Dustin May go off on him. Now Oakland fans will love him forever, even though it's not going to matter. What's sad is that baseball is so gutless. That, that, that is sad. I, I wish baseball wasn't so gutless. I wish they wouldn't have allowed him to run the team that way. Having said that, I will say this forever when it comes to baseball politics and, and stadium and arena politics. This is a a fine debate we can get in any time that you want to. I just always think it's fair to me to give you my frame of reference. I am one that, depending on the city, I'm okay with taxpayers paying for stadiums and arenas. I do take an example, the uh, study every time that we host a Super Bowl and the billion-dollar economic impact hosting Super Bowls has, which to me justifies taxpayers paying for that stadium. I think it's a good idea. I would be against it if I lived in Fargo, North Dakota. I think that's a dumb idea for taxpayers to pay for a new arena in Fargo waiting for an NBA team to come in and fill it. Things like that. It depends on the situation for me. But I don't have a philosophical argument against it. There's a lot of you, and there are, and listen, people fund studies that show I'm right. There are people that fund studies that would show you're right if you're totally against it and you hate it and you say why should we build billionaire or buildings for billionaires as long as people totally accept that that team will leave listen if the browns can leave anyone can leave so i think it's highly hypocritical to sit around ripping the oakland a's for moving and at the same time rip every everybody in oakland uh, and say they don't deserve a stadium Listen, if you're not going to build the stadium, in Vegas will, why shouldn't he leave? Of course he should leave. It's free money. If he's getting free money somewhere, why wouldn't he go? If somebody is paying for a new house for you, are you not going to take it? You're, no. No, no. We're, we we want to build you a No. No. I'm going to stay right. Okay, this house is 10 times worth more than your house. Nah. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, how many people are going to stay where they are? That's all this is. The guy's getting free money, so he took it. I don't mind that. What bothers me is the people in Oakland that don't rip the mayor while they're ripping the owner. And if we're going to rip the owner, let's keep it baseball-wise. He's a terrible baseball owner. I think Vegas is stupid for wanting to give a guy money to run a franchise when he's clearly this bad of a baseball owner. That's a dumb move by Vegas, but hey, it's your money. Knock yourself out. Let's get to college football. I got a lot of things I want to talk about college football-wise. Let's start with Jed Fish for a second. This is a little bit long, I admit to you. It's, it's three minutes long, but I just love his openings. I love what he has to say, and I think if you're a U of A fan, you're going to love just not hearing stuff edited, just saying, here's my coach. And if you, even if you hate U of A, Jed Fish is such a good coach. We can all learn something from him. So here's his ideas about the massive upset of Washington State. I say massive because of the score, not because of the win, but because of the sheer domination of what they put on the Cougars. Okay.
5: Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Hope everyone had a nice weekend or Sunday at least, and uh, or if you were here at home, that you enjoyed the game on Saturday and then uh, had a good Sunday. So uh, obviously uh, we're very excited about going into the bye week with a victory. Uh, It's always a great way to start a bye. Uh, We'll be on the practice field today, tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, We'll go um, spiders today, shoulder pads tomorrow, full pads on Wednesday. We'll lift them on Thursday and then uh, take two days off before we start up again um, Sunday. So uh, obviously, great challenge ahead of us with Oregon State. So we know that that's going to take a lot of our time and efforts as we get going. Uh, Looking back on the past game, um, I thought this past game we played as good as a team as I can remember us uh, playing. I think uh, we've said that a couple times this season and it's gotten better each time. And uh, this was certainly our best effort. After the first drive on defense, I think they had 117 or 119 yards the rest of the game. Offensively, um, we moved the ball eight different times uh, into scoring territory. uh, Five touchdowns, three field goals. We only punted twice. Both of those were one was off of a sack and one was off of a holding penalty and a false start in the same drive. So when we didn't have a negative play... Uh, We scored. And I think that's a huge part of being successful as an offense. You know, went back and really looked at our team from seven games of a year ago to seven games now. And I can tell you the biggest difference is the defense. Uh, Our defense is playing at an elite level. Offensively, we have 16 less explosive plays than we did a year ago. We had 89 after seven games last year. We have 73 after seven games this year. Um, We have the same amount of turnovers last year and this year. Um, But the biggest difference, obviously, is uh, we're doing a fantastic job of uh, having long, sustained drives. We're continuing to score over 30 points a game. And um, I think we're sitting there in the top 25 in total offense, 23 um, this year, 20 last year. Um, But defensively is where we've made just enormous strides. Offensively a year ago, defensively this year. And uh, we are sitting here now defensively talking in a situation where uh, last year we were giving up 209 yards a game rushing. Uh, this year we're giving up 96 yards a game. Um, when you look at explosives from a year ago till now, um, there's in a, I think there's like a 27 less explosives in seven games. Uh, takeaways, we've taken the ball away eight times this year. We've only took it away three times last year. Uh, So when you look at those type things, that's to me where the difference is. We made a big commitment saying a year ago we were going to go from where we were on offense. We needed to get really good on offense. And we committed to that last year. And I think we went from 120th to 20th. And we've remained there. We're 20th. We're 23rd in total offense this year. Now we wanted to make that same commitment in defense. And um, we've done that. So we got five more games. We got to see how good we can be we got to see if we can earn our right for six games and uh, or seven games, whatever that might be, and we're going to do everything we possibly can do to get there. So we're going to practice harder, uh, work harder, and uh, see how good we can be.
0: I don't remember ever being critical of Jetfish. Since, he, since he's been hired, I thought this guy gets it. I think he's making one of uh, a small mistake this week. I think he's working the guys too much. I think you, when you get a win like that over Washington State, and I realize this program is not where it wants to be yet, but when you get a win like that against Washington State, I, I don't think you go all the way until Thursday. Now, uh, Jeff Weir Production jumped in and asked me a question, so let me go through everything he said. He went Spider Shells, Full Pads, Lift, okay? If you know why it's called Spiders, I do, that is actually a hole in my knowledge. I don't know if it's the name of the company. Or what it is. I would love to know why it's called spiders. I know what spiders are. I just don't know why it's called spiders. But spiders, a lot of players will wear padding underneath their shoulder pads. Well, spiders, when you say we're going with spiders, that just means that's all you're wearing underneath. You don't have any other pads on. You'll wear that and helmets. So it means very, very little contact. We just want you in a helmet so you're still used to, hey, I'm in practice mode and to keep your vision confined to the vision that you have in a helmet to make sure you're still in football mode. But spiders means we're only wearing padding just in case there's contact, but we don't want you having contact. Shells are where you're not wearing all of your pads, but you are wearing uh, shoulder pads and helmets. So it's almost like we don't want you guys to hit, but they really like it when you do. Okay? That's what shells are. And then he goes full pads. Okay. We're full on, full hitting practice. Here we go. Wake up. I personally think it would have been a better idea. Go spiders or shells Monday, full pads, Tuesday, lift Wednesday, and then you're done. Give them rest of Wednesday, all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday. I think they earned an extra day. And he obviously disagrees. He's a better football coach than I am. Um, That's the only thing there. I I do love how he just rattles off all of his stats. He's a very much stat-oriented dude. That guy can coach. Okay, secondly from Jed Fish, this is the one I hope he's just delaying. I hope this is. Why do I need to tell you who my starting quarterback is? Because Delora's is out, so it doesn't matter who my starting quarterback is. But he still refuses to say who is the starting quarterback of U of A. He was asked with another great performance from Noah Fafita. Is it? You know, is 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 he the guy going forward?
5: No, I think right now, um, being in the bye week that as we're evaluating where we are and as a team where we've been, we're, we're very fortunate. Uh, two is better than none. So uh, we, we have an ability to continue to grow in that position, grow in that quarterback room and uh, see how good both those guys can get. Uh, I, I think we all saw when Jaden went out there uh, to take a knee, that was a quite a hobble out there. That wasn't a very pretty jog. So um, I think we really have to see uh, how this ankle's coming along as we continue to to work through what we're going to do
0: i'm not panicked because like i said maybe there's no reason to make a decision yet Delore is too far gone right now he's not going to start next weekend so if he's not ready then why announce who's the starting quarterback why bring drama onto the team before you need to I'm hoping that's the case because it will be one of the biggest mistakes of his entire career. And I'm including the future if he goes back to Jaden Delora as the starting quarterback as soon as Delora is healthy. That would be a terrible mistake. And then the last one, this is just good football 101 and it's another chance to rip Cliff Kingsbury. (laughs) This is Jed Fish talking about a great question of – one member of the media and I don't know my Tucson media at all has noticed a lot more motion in the offense and he means pre-snap motion is that something that was just a game plan thing have you increased the motion am I right that you're using a lot more motion
5: I don't know what the analytics would say on that if we have or have not we're kind of we are a motion team um i since I've been in I think since I went to the Rams, Uh, I wasn't a huge motion team at UCLA when I was the play caller there. But when I went to the Rams, I really started investing time into how motion can give you give your quarterback a lot of answers to the test ahead of time. And then also how you can um, manipulate the defense in certain ways and change the math, so to speak, in terms of how you can get better angles and better box counts and different coverages. So um, this offseason, we invested a lot of time in our motion game. Um, I don't know if we necessarily early on how much we used it when we were playing NAU or UTEP or, um, but, or when we got behind against Mississippi State. I think we probably went a little more tempo, which is less motion. But these rest of the games, uh, we certainly have committed to it and will continue to.
0: I love this conversation. There are two reasons to not use motion. If you're wondering, two really good reasons to not be a, a, a team that uses a lot of motion. One is you're trying to go with tempo. I mean, it would be dumb if you're down by a touchdown with two minutes left and you're wasting time having guys run back and forth sideline. You know, you, you you need to get the ball snap. Let's go. So going with tempo is a good reason not to use motion. The second reason you don't use a lot of motion is because you're a bad coach. That's it. Those are the two reasons. Tempo. And you're a bad coach. And the reason why I say because you're a bad coach, what using motion does is it can bring on problems for your offense if they're not well coached. And I'm only talking about reasons to not use it, not what it benefits you, reasons to not use it. Okay? You might not know this. A man on the line of scrimmage can't go into motion. Okay? That's the illegal motion. So you've got only people in the backfield. Now, you might think the backfield is behind the quarterback. Truth is, the backfield is anybody that's a a, a yard off the line of scrimmage. If you've ever seen two guys on the line of scrimmage and you think, that was weird, why did they waste their time doing that? Okay? If there's a guy that's on the line of scrimmage, but he doesn't have his hand down, he can then you can switch. You can have a guy go into motion on his side of the field, and then that guy takes one step back, and now he's off the line of scrimmage. Okay, now i got to step up. Now I'm on the line of scrimmage. There are formation rules on what you have to do. And if you don't coach your players on how to move, how to move motion, how to change motion, men making sure everybody is set before someone goes into motion. If you don't get that figured out, now you've caused a headache for your own team. You get hit with penalties because you didn't coach them. Well, that's why you don't use motion because you're not a good enough coach to coach it. The reason why, of course you use motion Unless you've got a very sophisticated defense, it is the biggest telltale sign to the quarterback: Are they in a man? To everybody, are they playing man-to-man defense? We don't say man-to-man in football; you say man-to-man in basketball. You say they're in man in football, or they in zone. The reason why, if you're in man and a guy goes into motion, that's your man. So now you go across the formation on defense. Watching him. Well, as soon as the quarterback sees, wow, our guy ran left, their guy ran left, guess what? They're in man. Okay. If, however, somebody goes into motion on offense and all of the defense just starts yelling and pointing and they shift a little bit, but nobody actually moves across the formation, they're in zone. Therefore, they're moving slightly because the motion man just entered into somebody else's zone. Okay. That's what he meant by answers to the test to the quarterback. It also tells the receivers how to run their routes. Have you ever seen a situation where a quarterback leads a player too far and you think, oh, what a terrible throw? The truth is it could have been a bad route. The receiver might have read zone. And if the receiver reads zone, sit down. Sit down means you don't actually sit on your butt. It means stop running towards somebody else's zone stand in this spot where you're open because you're in between two zones now you're open you can catch the ball two guys have to converge coming out of their zone to get the hit on you you're now officially open if you're in man don't stop because then you're allowing the guy you just beat to catch up keep running for two reasons not only do you stay open but you hopefully pull a defender out of that area so another receiver could enter into that area. It worked perfectly for the Cardinals scheme-wise and was horribly executed by Joshua Dobbs, if you remember the interception. The interception, that was man. Ertz came across, pulled his guy with him. Now Ertz is running into coverage. It's a double team, and for some stupid reason, I hate to say it, but it was stupid, He throws a pass to Ertz and Dobbs was slightly behind, Ertz tips it, it's intercepted. The casual fan who doesn't know the game would say, oh, that pass was a little behind Ertz, too bad he tipped it, that was bad luck. A fan that, uh, you know, a coach looks at that play and says, why are you even throwing it over there? He pulled that man beater this way, now you've got Hollywood Brown open to be able to turn it right upfield behind that play. That was a huge mistake from Dobbs. Now you see what motion can help do all that. Motion can tell you, oh, they're in man, they're in zone, everybody knows going into the play. Is it true 100% of the time? No. Sometimes defenses will fool you. Sometimes they'll fool you. They'll, they'll bring a guy across, and then once he gets there, they'll switch into a zone. Uh-oh. That, that can happen. I just like that conversation. All right, let's, I still want to do Town Hall Tuesday, so let's quickly get to Kenny Dillingham he was asked just give us a health update now that you've had a bye week for ASU fans are we actually going to be seeing some of your guys back on the field
5: you know
6: hopefully Isaiah is back hopefully Cade will be back and healthy um from those two guys so hopefully those two come back for us that'd be huge uh running backs to Carlos Brooks uh we hope to get back this week um this week or next week just kind of still feeling that out uh defensively Uh, You know, the break for J.C. was a positive. So he's still, you know, battling back and and getting back to full speed. But he played, uh, you know, over half the snaps last, you know, two weeks ago. So I feel like he'll be good. So I feel like the guys that were out for, you know, not season endings uh, got healthier, uh, still banged up, but, you know, definitely better than what we were.
0: The reason why this matters so much, the O-line has been so banged up. If the O-line gets a little bit healthier, that half a second more time for Trenton Borgay, I think will lead to bigger plays on offense because Borgay is that good at diagnosing the defense. The offensive weaponry for ASU is not good enough, in my opinion, to have consistent 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drives. They need explosive plays. They need chunk yards because they'll turn the ball over or be forced to punt if they've got to put together 12, 15-play drives. Just that half a second of protection longer could lead to that. Uh, Take it on you, Dub. If you don't know the story with UW, Penix, you got to say that very carefully, Penix, the quarterback of uh, UW, originally went to Indiana. Indiana's coach went to UW, so Penix followed him. He already knows the offense very well. Easily one of the best college quarterbacks in the game. He's having a good year. What do you see from him, Kenny Dillingham?
6: Yeah, contain is the correct word. His release is incredible. The, the ability for him to get the ball out uh, to somewhere he's not looking. I mean, he had a throw this Saturday, uh, going throwing the ball to his left on a third down where he was looking to his right and there was a free hitter on his left. And I mean, he got the ball from the moment that he wanted to release the ball into the receiver's hands. who was 12 yards away uh, down the field for a first down. I could have sworn it was two seconds. It was throw catch. And because he has a strong arm, he's got a quick release. And I think that's one of his greatest skills is he doesn't get sacked. He doesn't get sacked because he is. this is year, I believe, five in this system. Uh, He was with coach uh, at Indiana, and he had a lot of success. And then he came out here, and this is year two here. So this is a guy, year four in the system. This is a guy who's so comfortable in their system, and he's a vet, and he's a freakish talent. Uh yeah, he's really good.
0: I knew what he said there, so I cheated and I looked at Twitter just in case anything broke and I just saw something that rocks my world. And I can't tell whether it's brilliant or stupid. Did you watch last night's Monday night football game? I, I don't know if you did, but there was a nut job Charger fan this woman that i mean it was just it was crazy you could not help but laugh at how weird she was reacting to the game there are rumors she was an actress there are actual rumors that the chargers paid her to be a totally emotionally invested fan and then told espn the producers of monday night football where she was sitting now that's just a it doesn't even have to be like i'm not trying to spread a rumor even though that's exactly what i did but has it come to that that's that's such a weird story because the chargers don't belong in la la doesn't even want them it's a waste of time but to actually get to the point where we're paying fans to be to seem invested come on and i meant
4: desmond howard not dwight howard
0: Oh, I think oh,
4: okay. he might have said Desmond, and I, my, my head was thinking
0: Dwight. Okay, okay. Yeah, Desmond Howard and, and, and Penix this, Penix that. Uh, I, did, I did know that. I admit what you said. So it, in my ear, Jeff Weir Production was telling me about Dwight Howard yelling Penix. And I thought, wait, I didn't see that. Why is Dwight Howard going to a UW uh, Oregon game? Now I understand. Desmond Howard. Yeah, not a fan, by the way, Desmond Howard. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you that story, but ESPN once a year would say, hey, We have one of our guys available for you. Oh, okay. So you get all excited. You're going to get an ESPN guy to come on your show, uh, like a big-name dude. And then as soon as they get on, they go, okay, he's got eight minutes. You're like, wait, what? And then they're getting paid for how many interviews they do, and, and ESPN gets, a, gets them a sponsor, or the agent gets them a sponsor, and then one of the questions that you ask has to be about the sponsor. And it's like you didn't even know it was a paid-for interview, and you've only got eight minutes, but you lose a minute because you've got to ask about the sponsor, blah, blah, blah. So we had Desmond Howard on to talk Pac-12 football. The guy knew nothing. The guy knew absolutely nothing. And to this day, I've always ripped myself for not just busting him on air. As soon as he got off the air, I kind of joked, well, that was the biggest waste of eight minutes we've ever had on this show. And Wolf thought that was really funny that I ripped it, because we both knew it was a terrible interview, because the guy knew nothing about the Pac-12. But what really made me mad at myself when I got home and I listened to the interview is why didn't I just bust him and say, Desmond? Do you have any idea what's going on in the pack? Can you name three players in the Pac-12? You know, I just, I should have been a jerk. I sometimes being a jerk is a good thing to kind of defend all of us as listeners to prove ESPN guys don't even know where Corvallis is or how many times do they talk about ASU and show a block A helmet. You know, stuff like that drives us all crazy. And there was a moment right in time, and I didn't do it. Failure. All right, uh, Coach, tell me about the UW offense as a whole, whether somebody's yelling Penix or not.
6: Motion shifts, eye candy. They do the same stuff and they present it a bunch of different ways. Uh, they, they do a really good job. Uh, co- I, mean, the, I mean, their staff, I mean, obviously their office coordinator, a really good job creating leverages in the passing game with split variations. So, I mean, they threw a double post last week off of a cut split versus quarters where they they create an advantage play versus an outside leverage corner so they do such a good job varying that up and then their offensive line uh, is good and that helps you know when your offensive line can pass protect four on a consistent basis and you can go through your third fourth fifth reads On a consistent basis you're going to be a good passing team when you combine that with the weapons they have the scheme they have so i would say this is one of the rare teams that has difficult scheme with good players great quarterback and not many times do you have to play all three usually you get to play you know a simple scheme and we're going to beat you through our players and then they have better players very rarely do you have to play a team that is super well coached with great players that use advantage Plays, uh, which is kudos to them. They do a really good job. And then Coach DeBoer is one of the, the top offensive minds in, in football, one of the top head coaches, and, and uh, kudos to him.
0: Thought so that was a great compliment and a great football breakdown. Because think about it, I don't have to outcoach you if my players are better than you. I, I will kind of yours. I kind of want to get out of their way. Let them go be great. Stay out of their way. So have simple plays. So my athletes are not spending too much time thinking. And then if I don't have great athletes, I then want to out scheme you. So I've got to use advanced schemes to try to fool your great athletes. So they get out of position or they overpursue. And he's saying simply, their quarterback's great, their players have a high football IQ to run advanced stuff, and they're better athletes than most teams have. I mean, the way he set it up, it's 50 to nothing, I think. That was a, that was a good one. Uh, this, I really care about what's going on with Jalen Conyers. I am worried that Jalen Conyers had a breakout season last year. I think a lot of people look at the new coaching staff and say, why can't you get Jalen Conyers to do what, what Sean Aguano started getting a, a, him to do? And even a little bit of the old regime, even under Herm. I'm a little worried that he was so successful last year that there's too many people in Conyers' ear trying to say, hey, just stay healthy. Stay healthy for your great day in the draft. Listen, to the people that are telling Jalen Conyers this, you're no longer a star. You're no longer the Mac Daddy of the draft. Your draft stock is going straight down. Why? Film. Film. You don't look like a football player anymore. You look like a guy that's trying to be careful to not be hurt. That means you don't love football. Whoever is in your ear telling you play this way or try to skip out on practice or go soft all the time, whoever thinks that's a good idea, they're failing you. You are losing hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, as your draft stock goes down. Maybe you get into the NFL, you get a good situation, and your second contract will be worth good money. I don't know. But, Jalen, somebody's got to wake you up to the fact that you're not producing enough right now. And I, I think it's mental. I think someone's in your head. You're a young man. I get it. I've been influenced by people in my life, too, that I shouldn't have been. It happens. But stand up and start doing something and start this weekend. Coach, uh, it looks like you're moving Jalen Conyers into different positions and actually away from being a tight end sometimes. What's going on?
6: Yeah, last week, uh, schematically, we were doing a lot of three-by-one sets and trying to isolate a field, the boundary corner, and some stuff to work one-on-ones. We felt like we were in a lot of open sets in general last week. So we could either put him at the point, um, you know, to block for the perimeter screens, or we could put him over at the X in which he could, you know, have some one-on-ones, which we tried to give him some early. Unfortunately, he was, you know, sick. So he's going to continue to be moved around, uh, you know, or, around the field. He'll work out what the H's, but uh, just throughout different game plans, you know, he will become the solo to X a little bit. But for us, that's not the, the X. So moving forward, he'll, he'll get back to the H. Uh, that was just more of a game plan deal, and just what was best for him and us uh, going into that week.
0: I I really like where he's going. Okay, if you, if you heard him say um, the H receiver, or he's going to work out as an H. H is the letter for tight end. Like a lot of people will say wide receiver. Well, there's different wide receiver positions, and there's different tight end positions. So it's easier just to kind of keep it. Like to use to say he's the tight end, coaches would rather say, Here's the weapons I have. You know, every play, you have five linemen, five weapons, and a quarterback. You get to do whatever you want with those five people. Does that make sense? What, however you want. Do you want five receivers? Great. Do you want four tight ends and a running back? Great. You know, whatever you want to do. So the, the easiest way to know is just say H is the consistent is the tight end. And then X, Y, and Z are different receivers across the formation depending on are you on the line of scrimmage are you off the wide in the in the slot different things like that if you've ever wondered what the uh what the x y and uh and z receiver are but more specifically i wanted to focus on the h since that's what he was talking about um a, a little bit okay that's it for ASU. We got more ASU coming up this week. Coach also talked about NIL deals that I want to get into. But I I have Suns and I have Town Hall Tuesday and I got Versus Vegas. We still have a lot to do today on Doug Franz Unplugged. Hopefully I'm doing a good job entertaining you this morning. I'm still a little worried about first pitch fastballs to Kyle Schwarber. Screw Jack. Throw Jack whatever you want. <laughs> The sun's coming up next on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwood Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com.
7: It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day,
4: still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better.
1: Burrito
7: Express started with my father about 25 years ago he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family my brother and i were older teens 17 18 year old and i'm gonna do a trial out of my house so literally we decided we're gonna start out of his house so we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area literally started delivering burritos out of our home in mesa arizona and after about a month he said let's do this went and found his first location and believe it or not that's how it started we started with one location back in 1995 now we're, we're we are now
0: the wtsm of winners point blank we're trying to sweet talk you into moving up the ladder either joining the basic plan joining the live plan or joining the premium plan so therefore We've got a bunch of restaurants that said, yeah, we'll give something away. And that's what we're doing today uh, and all this week, the week of winners. Every show having a, uh, a week of winners. And here's what it is. Log into your account, and then we ask you to get promoted, okay? Basic, live, or premium. And if you aren't subscribed, uh, then jump in anyway. But once you get yourself in, then all you have to do is it's kind of exciting. Once you get yourself in, you then just click on the day of the week, And when you click on the day of the week, you then register yourself for that day. So, yesterday, one of the people that clicked on Monday was General Mike. General Mike, congratulations. He won a huge gift card from Pita Jungle yesterday. So, that's kind of big time. What'd you get? $100. General Mike, $100 yesterday. Well, today is day two in the week of winners, and we're giving away Spinato's Pizzeria and Family Kitchen. A crafted rich Italian taste, artisan ingredients, 40 years, pizza, pasta, fresh salads, decadent desserts. They offer classic Chicago-style dishes and unique Arizona creations. Six locations across the valley. Visit Pizzeria.com to go to their website. Go to t- WTSMTV.com for your chance to be a winner. If you win, you're going to get uh, an email saying you're a winner. So that's awesome. And then if you lose, don't worry about it. Just try, uh, try again tomorrow. But uh, if you aren't a subscriber to Basic Live or Premium, please jump in today. Again, our prices are changing, our options are changing. Please go to WTSMTV.com. If you're old school Doug and Wolf, uh, thank you for moving on with me to Doug Franz Unplugged. If you're old school Doug Franz Unplugged, you've been here with me every step of the way. But hey, you, you haven't been able to uh, afford maybe becoming a premium member and getting everything live. I get it. I got a special code for you, but I forget what it is. So email me, Doug, at Dougfronsunplugged.com and I'll give you the special code, and that's good for a year in order to help you choose which uh, level you want to be on here at WTSMTV.com. It's basically us saying, we need to, we want to grow. We need more money to grow. Therefore, in order for us to do that, we've invited you to help us by raising our rates a little bit. But we still want to say thank you if you're old school and maybe you're in a position where you can't quite afford it. So we got a special code for you. So that's what's going on there. If you email to me, I'll give you the special code. Uh, Let's get to Suns quickly. And then I also have Town Hall Tuesday that I want to do. We're going to say, hey, guess what? We're saving Kevin Durant for tomorrow, by the way. Jeff, we're production. Just a heads up. I I don't have Town Hall Tuesday yet. I know that. I know that. Um, Let's get to Frank Vogel. This is long. This is from pregame. Okay, Suns a winner yesterday. The ball movement's unbelievable. Unbelievable at times, especially with the starters in. But this is a two-minute quote, but I loved it. I want to be able to give you Suns in a way that nobody else does. And, and I, I love the Suns, and I think this is a way for all of us to learn. Frank Vogel into a deep dive into how his defense has evolved over time. And I thought that this was interesting. So here's the head coach talking about being an assistant before moving into being a head coach with Indiana, before being a head coach with the Lakers, or excuse me, Orlando, then the Lakers, and now being a head coach of Phoenix.
2: Can be a long answer, you know, in terms of how the scheme developed. You know, I think uh you know, one of the bigger things was um, how to succeed with uh with a young Roy Hibbert, you know, helped me develop some of our our uses of of uh of big men in this league. Um you know, he was at the time, you know, really struggling to stay out of foul trouble, you know, so you know I took some lessons from you know just uh Always studying the game, always listening, you know, to what's going on around the league, and you know, I remember some lessons Jeff Van Gundy uh, would talk about when he had Dikembe and Yao, and how he used those guys, and uh, we implemented some of those those schemes with Roy. Um, the defense I ran in L.A. was very different than the defense I ran in Indiana, much more switching flexible, you know, to to evolve with the modern NBA. And um, we really broke the mold and recreated it, you know, and, and, and build a, a team that – or build a defense that I felt I, I is perfect for the modern NBA. And um, and we're bringing that here. And it's – you know, some of the stuff is different than, than our guys have done the last few years, you know, because the league, you know, universally has gone to really, really heavy switching. And, um, you know, our guys are used to some of that, and we're pulling back on some of that because I think there's value. I think you can – you know, win an extra eight to 10 possessions by dictating matchups and, um, you know, only switching when it's smart, to, smart to do so. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of thought uh, put into that, a lot of study, um, a lot of quite, quite honestly, flexibility on my part to, to, to change some things that I, I really like to do. Uh, but there's, there's always, if, if there's a better way, you know, as a coach, you gotta, you gotta adapt. And, uh, and we once said, "Adapt or die." Right? <laughs> so um, there's, a, there's been a lot of adaptation to my defensive system, uh, you know, through the last 10, 12 years. Um, I think it helped us in LA, and I think it's really going to help this group.
0: Oh my goodness! You look deep. Oh my goodness! <laughs> there's the 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 headphone volume is not balanced very well, so. I like it at one level for me. I like it at one level for what we call the actualities of the sound that Jeff Weir is playing. And sometimes I can barely hear Jeff. And other times it's, and that was one of those brah. So if you wondered what happened right before the whoosh, I, he said something. I went, and it was just totally freaked out. Um, the thing I loved about that deep answer right there was him admitting we don't have to switch everything. Something has happened in the NBA. Listen, if you're a great defensive team and it's easy to switch and and you really have five guys that can guard five positions, great. Switch everything if everybody's a good defender. But that never really happens. Too often, guys are just lazy and they switch because they don't want to fight. Okay, Switching is the easy way to defend a screen. Fighting over the screen is for tough people. It's for people that want to work hard. And I love Frank Vogel saying, you know, we just, you know, we don't need to switch everything. I love that. So I realized that was three minutes of, uh, or two minutes of him talking just to get that little excerpt. But I just, I loved learning about how that has developed and how he's adapted and hearing about Roy Hibbert, who was his center with the Pacers. It actually made me wonder what could DA have learned? If he would have stayed under frank Vogel uh, well, how would that have worked out? It shows you play tough, play hard all the time because that ship had sailed with DeAndre Ayton, and you could tell the sun's brass were done with him, and we never got to see what might have he have learned what might have he have that was kind of weird have learned uh by playing under Frank Vogel that would have been uh that would have been pretty cool um. Okay, the last one, uh, I only want to do one more because I want to get to Town Hall Tuesday and I'd like uh, us to be joined coming up by Steve McCollum for Town Hall Tuesday is, I thought this was deep. Would you go to Vogel 3 for me on this one, Jeff Weir Production? He was asked about Booker shooting a few more threes in the preseason and how about Frank Vogel saying, I want even more than that?
2: I, I personally am winding him up to shoot that shot you know I, I think uh first of all he's beyond capable it's it's a you saw it tonight i mean he's lethal with that and um you know i think uh he's been a little bit hesitant you know um just talking to you know some people that have been here the last couple of years uh to take that shot in high volume and um you know one of the things we talked this summer is that that's a shot that i really want to encourage and to extra green light for him uh, because it's, you know when he's knocking down that shot, like the, the bigs just the bigs got to come up, you know, and the bigs come up, and that just opens up even more stuff. So it's a hell of a weapon, and uh, it's something I'm I'm encouraging him to take.
0: The reason why I like that so much is I I think there'll be less punishment on Booker's body as long as he doesn't give up his drives. He's one of the best mid-range shooter in the game, so don't change that. I actually don't think he's an elite three-point shooter. I think he's a really good three-point shooter. Maybe if he's being encouraged to shoot at more of a high-volume threes, maybe he gets to that point. All right, coming up next, Town Hall Tuesday. Jeff Weir production, giving you all the things of which you've ripped me for, but with an audience. We will have Steve McCollum join us for uh, Town Hall Tuesday to have him weigh in on what people are saying, sometimes when they support me, sometimes when they rip me. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WGSMTV.com. Here you. He- hear ye oh yay oh yay it's time to call a town hall meeting and every now and then on a tuesday when we do town hall tuesday i, I think it's nice to have somebody else join us and therefore steve McCullum is live in his studio getting ready for uh, the main event. Hi, Steve, hey. which comes up from 8 to 10 every morning with Dale Hellistray. Shall you join us for Town All Tuesday? Absolutely. Shall I will? Oh, there you, I shall. You. There you go. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> go for it, Jeff Weir Production. What do we got?
4: Okay. The first one I've got is from Josh on Facebook. Okay. I do have to ask, though, about the DA trade. Overall, I'm fine with the trade, but didn't you at least want to see if Frank Vogel could have gotten the most out of DA? I would have waited to trade. I would have waited to the trade deadline and if he answered was no try to trade him then. Hm. Was I
0: I would say do I wonder? Yes, but I think I know the answer. I mean, how long do you wait for DeAndre Ayton to give effort every game before you say this guy doesn't give effort every game? So I do I I do wonder, but not enough to disagree with the trade.
7: Yeah, it's um they improved their team by subtraction, and you can't miss that opportunity.
0: That, that's, uh, that's basically. A great way to that's put basically.
7: It. They might not have gotten better talent wise, but they got depth. Uh, and if you watch that game last night, Grayson Allen's going to be a force from that three point line. Uh, Nurkic is going to be more physical down below. So I think, I think for that trade, they had to pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like agree. That. I would have rather have waited. I would like to have waited. But when you get that offer, you got to do it.
0: I like that. I like that. Yeah.
4: What's that, Jeff? All right, this one is from David in Montana. Okay. Thanks for sharing what you shared about your interaction with Hoopy. Oh yeah. Wolf. Oh, did you were you going to say something?
0: No, 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 I said, "Oh yeah, a lot of people don't know Hoopy is Wolf's mom." Yep.
4: Oh, okay. Nobody says mom, they say Hoopy. The beautiful <laughs> Miss Stephanie and the rest of the Wolf's family. I laughed and cried. Mm. You made me feel like I was there. It was the big it was the best thing I heard all week. I'm so thankful that you were able to go.
0: Oh, that's cool of you. uh, Here's what I say to that. Steve McCollum sitting there on call in case something crappy happens and I don't get back or uh, anything. Jeff Weir Production putting together a Thursday show. CEO Chris making sure I can do the show from the hotel on Wednesday. So that that was a a huge team effort. So when you say, I'm glad that you got to go, I, I thank everybody here.
7: Glad you got to go myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: that is, that is kind of weird. Like, uh, Steve, what do you understand? I, I got nothing else <laughs> to yeah, say. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. <laughs> You're kind of hung out to dry on that one. Okay, what's next?
4: The next one I have is from Dustin in Pebble Creek. Okay. Obvious ob- observation, say that three times fast, mm-hmm. that no one will ever mention, including you, a black woman ref missed an obvious touchdown 10 feet in front of her being black and being a woman are not an accomplish are not accomplishments hmm. and would you would you still up by
0: 9 runs oh Okay, boy, those are two different things out of the blue. Okay, so let's go. Second question first, am I at Coors Field? If I'm at Coors Field, absolutely. I'm stealing up nine runs. I don't care. There are no rules at Coors Field. Uh, other than that, am I stealing up nine runs after the sixth inning? No, I'm not. But at the same time, I I am not plunking anybody because uh, I, I love unwritten rules. But at the same time, hey, why should somebody stop competing? You don't have to stop competing. It's, it's a professional game. Your first one, though, Dustin. I'm going to pray for you. I hope, I think, one percent of of white America could write that that tweet or that email and not be racist. There's a chance you're in the one percent. So I don't want to just go off and assume that you're a racist person when you say being black and being a woman are not accomplishments, because. I remember the play, what you're talking about. The rule is if the ball hits the pylon, a loose ball hits the pylon, it's the defense's ball and a touchback. Clearly the ball was extended, full possession across the goal line. Should have been a touchdown. She totally blew the call. Totally blew the call. But if So you're telling me if that was a white male ref that blows that call, you don't think it has anything to do with them being a white male. But if a black female blows the call, suddenly it's because she's a black female. That – that, that would be inherently racist. If your opinion is the NFL is wrongfully promoting inferior talent in order to appear to be inclusive, then I would say if that's your feelings, and that's fine, why watch? I mean, if, if they're going to lower the quality of the game that much, then why not take a stand and say, you know what, I'm not watching anymore. So it's one or the other. Either stop watching if you think they do that, because I don't think you fight racism with racism. So I would agree if that's what they're doing. For me, I look at the NFL this way. I think one of the greatest refs they've ever had was black, and one of the worst refs they've ever had was black. If you remember a guy named uh, Mike... I have to ask Dale what his name was. I can't remember his name. Mike somebody was a fantastic ref. Terrible television analyst, but a fantastic ref. Yeah, Carey or something
7: like that. Mike Carey, I think that's the CBS what it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: But uh Jerome Boger was a disaster. I mean, it, he was an embarrassment to the NFL and I don't know why he was able to hold on so long. But Dustin I, like I said, I pray you're in the 1% because that That's just not a good opinion uh, on the surface. Yeah, that was that was
7: that was uh, poorly uh, written there, and uh, even you kind of got down into the weeds there a little bit. Look. cranky old guys miss a lot of calls on the football field so i don't know why we have to segregate it down to say less quality because we watch a lot of crappy crappy refereeing every weekend and we don't need to segregate it down into you know color or sex or whatever because uh you know old white guys suck too
0: sometimes (laughs) you should wear a t-shirt like that's a great phrase old Old white white guys guys suck suck sometimes too (laughs) <laughs> well said. You answered it better than I did. But I still I still like you, Dustin. I'm going to pray that you're in the 1% because maybe you didn't mean it as racist as it sounds. All right, what's next? All right, had
4: to say thanks for the extra effort on travel shows this week. Sports perspectives were great, no doubt, but secondary for me. Hmm. Being in Buffalo and reaffirming support for your friend and his family who are mourning means so much to those who suffer in loss. Okay. Having been on Wolf's family side of – A similar sudden passing situation. It's something that I can tell you they will never forget and always appreciate. The Cardinals are losing consistently in the second half. I like I like it from a live in-game gambling standpoint, (laughs) (laughs) but it is starting to be a concern for the team going forward. It's just this season, but Coach JG had this problem in the Super Bowl when he had real talent. Mm -hmm. How concerned are you uh, that? That
0: he is slow to make the halftime adjustments, General Mike. Wow, General Mike. First Quickly. of all, thanks for the kind words. As far as the second thing, I tell you what, General Mike, keep listening to us because I know you're a hardcore uh, viewer of of the show. But in about eight seconds, something magical is going to happen. But I want to keep Steve on so he can respond to that uh, that second paragraph there about any concerns on JG because right now my answer is no. But it's time for. talent, is we can keep talking about this while the versus Vegas music goes. <laughs> it's a very fair point to bring up the Super Bowl, and he deserves it, but I don't think it was a common theme throughout all of his Eagles tenure. No. But it is fair to bring it up about the Super Bowl now. It's not even fair. Am I concerned? No, and here's why. I think it shows with inferior talent how good of a coach he is, because he's fooling the other team for a half, and then the other team says, okay, now we're going to do this, and the talent isn't there to be able to to keep up with the adjustments. So I'm not worried now. If it happens in 2024... Okay, let's talk.
7: Yeah, it's, it's just a it's just a lack of talent, lack of depth, more importantly. I agree where guys just get worn down as the game goes on. It's hard enough to win in this league when you have a lot of talent. You saw it with the 49ers the other day. Then you start subtracting talent during a game and you don't have good backups, it's very hard to win in this league. And that's all it is. Uh, JG, I think, is doing a phenomenal job. Uh, and you're gonna continue to see fourth quarter quote unquote meltdowns for the rest of the season. Yes. Because especially as the season goes on, as guys get more tired during the season it's just going to inevitably happen something you got to deal with that has no reflection on this coaching staff whatsoever uh that's my advice.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that well said what's coming up on the main event
7: uh usual you know we close out the nfl week this week of course uh diamondbacks last night baseball uh, astros doing what they do best going on the road right <laughs> so uh they're not out of this series yet because they suck at home and they Good showed that these two games and I need him to win because that's who I pick.
0: Oh, okay. I, I get you. All right. The main event coming up from 8 to 10. It's coming up in just nine minutes with Dale Hellestray. That is Steve McCollum. And uh, it is still the craziest, not the craziest stat in baseball history. The craziest stat in baseball history, if you've ever, if you've never known this, is Dan Musial had 3,630 hits. 1,815 hits at home. 1,815 hits on the road. Now that's weird. That's weird. But number two is what Steve is referring to that World Series against the Nationals when the home team went 0 7. That's just, that still makes no sense. The home team went 0 7 in that World Series. That's one of those things I don't see how that'll ever happen again. All right. Uh, Versus Vegas today, I crushed it. This is very, this is the way gambling works. It's kind of weird. I crushed it and I only went one and one. The reason why I say I crushed it is I had Bregman getting a hit for plus 700. Oh, yeah. So I'm set on that. That ballooned over all units. However, I put Dallas and the Chargers and I took them on to go over the 51. And the final score was... I know I lost it, but I forget the final score. 20 to 17. I got destroyed on that one. So record-wise, I just go one-and-one, no credit. The way gamblers do it, they'd be going, hey, nice job yesterday, nice job. That's all right. So today, I'm looking at um, Diamondbacks and Phillies, and I'm a little worried about the offense doing anything. I'm a little worried about the Diamondbacks not being able to be close enough to uh, uh, be able to actually – keep this thing close there's decent juice if you go plus one and a half and 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 you'll be able to uh to get something on them but that's about it so what i'm going with today is i've been studying this all morning to see if there's one that i like today and i'm gonna take yeah I'm going to take Corbin Carroll getting a hit as my only wager today. That's a plus 600. You get good juice on that. You really want to stick your neck out. Go with Alec Thomas getting a hit, and you got plus 1,000 on Alec Thomas getting a hit. But I, I – or no, getting a home run. Not a hit, getting a home run. By the way, I got lucky. I, I forgot to tell you this. I got really lucky yesterday. I said Bregman I, – I thought it was hits – and I didn't realize it was home runs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And then Bregman uh, hit a home run yesterday. I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. So I said hit before, and I meant to say home run. But I really wasn't paying attention. It's not a very good gambler right there to uh, not pay attention to what uh, he's gambling on. But I like um, I like Corbin. Nah, you know what? Let me change that. Let me change that. I really think Christian Walker has a good chance to go yard today because I like the matchup that he's going to have with uh, Aaron Nola. Now, it's not a brilliant um, pick by me, just to be blunt, because Aaron Nola's a righty, it's right on right. But Christian Walker, I I, I think he's going to do something today. So I'm going to go Christian Walker hitting a home run, and that's my only... um, uh, well let me check hits real quick do I have good juice on hits sorry I'm doing this right now wow plus 105 for Perdomo that's really really good juice you know what here's some good juice I'm going to say Kyle Schwarber does not get a hit. Scratch my other one. The reason why is after the ignorance of how they pitched to Kyle Schwarber, I think they're going to be a lot smarter. So I'm going to go Kyle Schwarber does not get a hit. That's plus 105 juice today. I don't like – I don't actually like betting on this game because – I'm very worried about what I saw yesterday and I'm not putting my money behind the Diamondbacks today. They don't deserve it after the offensive performance in the beginning of the game. But I think they're going I think Merrill Kelly's going to come out and pitch a little better. I'm very worried about today. I just have to be honest. Hey, Whirlwind Plus. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com. Whirlwind Let me try that again. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com. I am so I got <laughs> As soon as I said Kyle Schwarber, I got so angry about that first pitch fastball and about me saying Jack Schwarber for about 15 minutes this morning. So for two reasons, I'm fired up. Anyway, um, go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and join Whirlwind Plus. $2.99 for the year or $34 a month. The savings will shock you. You will save enough money. To pay for the program on a yearly basis and only about three visits. And if you spend a lot of money like me on beer, you'll do it in two visits. That's how great this program is. Play a legendary course for less for make it basically the price of a Muni. Jump on it, unplugged at whirlwind.com. I'll be headed out to lunch today uh, at 11 in the morning. I'm eating with the owner of Bells, Mikey, but I'm going to Hundred Mile Brew you want to stop by and join me at 11 o'clock for lunch. I'd love to see you. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.